0: Tommy. I'm the pastor here at this place, and uh, man, it's, it's so good to be here, and so glad so many of y'all are here today. We've been going through this study, um, I forgot the name, Multiply, we've been going through the study Multiply for a few weeks now, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff, and if, if you haven't been here, let me just kind of catch you up to where we're at in the study. So basically, we spent the first few weeks kind of understanding discipleship and this process, and then we turned a corner where we just began to go through the Bible, Uh, So that we can understand how to apply the Bible and God's word into our life. And basically what happens in the Bible so far is uh, God creates a world that's good. And God created a good world because God is good. And so God creates everything he does is good. And whether or not you believe the story of Adam and Eve is literal or it's just an allegory, I don't care. The point of the story is that God, who's a good creator, created a good world. That's the point of the story. And so uh, the world is good. Everything's going fine. But there's a little hitch because Humanity has choice. And so humanity chooses sin. And when they choose sin, they're separated from God. And you might say, well, why was that a choice? Because you cannot be a loving God and not give people choice. If I'm forced to love you, that's not really love. That's slavery. And God doesn't want slaves. He wants sons and daughters. right? And so he gave us a choice. And so we choose sin. And because of sin, the world just falls apart. Creation is damaged. Creation is destroyed. Uh, All of creation. Not just man, but animals and seas and everything becomes a fallen version of what it was intended to be. And that's in like the first three chapters of the book. That really escalated quickly, right? I mean, it just went pew. And and it just keeps getting worse. And it gets, after Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. And again, it doesn't matter. Just understand that being kicked out of the garden shows that sin is separation. They're separated from God. Adam and Eve have kids, one of the kids kills the other kid. Um, it's just plummeting into chaos. And in Genesis 6, this is six chapters into the Bible. Listen to how bad it's gotten. Genesis 6, 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground. Remember, when, when, when we chose sin, it wasn't just humans. It's all of creation. He says, I'm going to wipe it all out. Everything that moves along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah... Found favor in the eyes of God, so God says, "I'm gonna wipe out everything." He says, "I regret it." Go, go, to the next one for me. He says, "I regret it and when I first began to read this. Like regret it, it was like, did God make a mistake? But I know that's impossible. God doesn't make mistakes. I knew God doesn't do anything God doesn't intend to do. But when we hear the word regret, it's easy to think that maybe He made a mistake until you read the actual definition of the word regret. Feel sad, disappointed over something that's been done, especially a loss of an opportunity. God was sad that humanity lost the opportunity to stand perfect in the presence of God. Remember, six chapters earlier, Adam and Eve were naked in front of God and they were unashamed. And now they've lost that opportunity and God's heart hurts. And I think it's funny when people say God has no emotions because over and over in the Bible, we see a God that hurts for us, grieves for us. It causes him pain that we would make the choice that we have made. You're like, well, didn't didn't he know it was going to happen? I mean, he's God. I I struggle with this. I mean, he knew it was going to happen. Does that really stop you from hurting, even if you know something's going to happen? I mean, have you ever asked your kids to do something, and you knew, you knew they were going to mess it up, because they're broken little sinners. And sure enough, they do exactly what you know they're going to do. But didn't it still hurt? You ever had a loved one you knew was going to die, and still they died? Didn't it still hurt? The fact that you know something is going to happen doesn't change the emotion when it happens. And so God is is looking going, oh, I hurt for you. Of course, we all know that God still had a plan, that his plan wasn't over. God was working in the midst of all these things, so God says, I'm wiping them out. I'm starting over. I'm wiping them out, and we're about to get to the story of the flood. And for many people, the, the flood is the story of God's anger, but I think it's a lot more of that. But, but for so many of us, we're so familiar with the Bible and these stories that we don't even really understand the power of what this flood story is about. As a matter of fact, our experience with the flood story really boils down to this little video I'm about to show right now. Go ahead, Eric. God said to Noah, there's going to be a floody, floody. Starting to get money, money! Get, get those animals out on the arky, arky! Leave me alone! Can you blame him? Like, elephants, lions, kangaroosies, roosies. It's like, oh. It's my favorite part of the song, though. Kangaroosies. I mean, that's our, that's our understanding. And we're like, well, no, there's a place, and there's probably a place and a time to teach kid that song. But the problem for the American Christian is most of us don't develop an understanding beyond that. And like, that's a good song, but it's a story of God's hatred for sin. He hates it so much that he says, I'm going to wipe everything off the earth. And it's easy to see this only as a story of hatred for sin. But it's not just about, it is about his wrath. And, and there's times when we read about God's wrath when I think we should stop and we should tremble with fear. And I don't think we do that enough. I think we should see God's hatred for sin and we should examine our lives and there should be time when we tremble with fear. But it's not just a story about that. It's also a story of His incredible grace because humanity fails over and over and over yet God continues to remain. He continues to sustain some piece of humanity. He keeps us and He's working towards something better and you don't see it and you don't know it, and it looks really, 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 really messy. But God is working for something better, even in the midst of these things. And God eventually comes to... It's, it, let me just read Genesis 3. Genesis three fourteen, It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. Because you have done this, if you remember... Last week, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve. They chose evil. So he says, because you have done this, because you have tempted Adam and Eve, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, I will put hate, I will put anger between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Okay, there's something beautiful going on here. God created a perfect world, a good world. Who broke it? Y'all remember? We did. Bingo, bingo. We broke it. But who is God using in partnership to fix it? Go back. Look, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring. So, but, uh, so the offspring of the woman will be the one who eventually crushes the head of evil. The offspring of the woman. Who, who came from Eve? Other humans. So what God is saying is, I'm going to use, I'm going to work in partnership with humans to crush the evil that humans brought into the world. Because who eventually is the offspring of Eve? Fully human. It's way, way down the line. You go all the, But who eventually comes from Eve, who's fully human, born of a woman, just like me and you, but fully God? Jesus. God's like, I'm working to do something that's going to restore all of these things. And he says, I'm going to partner with you to do it. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, you're going to, we're the ones who broke it. You've got all sorts of things to choose from. Like, you can partner with the walrus who's done nothing wrong. You can partner with a the dolphin. They're smarter than us anyway. You can partner with all these other things. Why are you choosing to partner with people when people are the ones who broke it? And the truth is, this is why. Because he loves us. Why does he love us? because he loves us. It's not about our goodness. It's not about anything we've done to deserve it. God has decided that he will use humanity to restore humanity. It's beautiful. And this partnership between God and people is what we're going to talk about for a little bit today. And the word the Bible uses for these partnerships is called covenant. And over and over, God enters into a covenant with a person or a group of people. But the purpose of the covenant is always to restore and redeem what people broke. The point of the covenants are always to reclaim the world for God so that one day we might return to the world God originally created. And so he's going to use broken, flawed people in messy ways over thousands of years to fix what we broke. It's beautiful, man. The first one that I want to talk about is his covenant with Noah. Um, in Genesis 9, 8. So God has flooded the world. He's wiped everybody off, except for he saved a remnant of people. Right? He saved Noah and his family. He saved lions, elephants, and kangaroosies, and they're all on the boat. Genesis 9, 8. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, all the wild animals that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant, my partnership with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by water. Never again will there be a flood of this magnitude on the earth. Has God kept his word? Yeah. That's why we're all here. I mean, there hasn't been a flood like that since. And again, whether or not you believe, I don't care. Just understand that God has partnered with humanity to restore humanity. And was Noah perfect after that? Did Noah lead a perfect life? Anyone know what he did? He got drunk and naked. It's in there. You read it or some of y'all said there's a difference between naked and naked, I found out last week. I don't know which one he was, maybe both, but he's up to something, okay? So it's not about his perfection. God is working through Noah to bring about the restoration of the earth, and what does Noah do after God has flood, I mean, all these things. Noah's been on a boat, and lions aren't killing roosies, and everything is going this way, and he still gets off the boat and gets drunk and naked. And don't judge him. But That's what he did right? It's crazy, man. But God is working through broken people to do some incredibly cool things. And after Noah, there's another guy who comes along, (laughs) and his name is Abraham. If you don't remember (laughs) it, if you don't remember Abraham, let me jog your memory. All right, stop it quick, stop it quick, stop it quick. I can't tell you, stop it very quickly. Thank you, oh my gosh. Oh, this is why people leave the church. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. I and mean, Can you imagine this, the meeting, the staff meeting? All right, guys, we're going to teach the kids about Abraham. I got an idea. Let's put some people with bags on their head and big scary faces and freak all the kids out. How about that plan? And they'll dance like we're distort. Oh, I don't know, crazy, right? What the heck, man? I, I, this week I was trying to find, I wanted to find a video to show. That was the second one on Google. And we wonder why the world thinks we're crazy. Here's a video for you. It's weird. Um, anywho, Father Abraham. Once again, we took an amazing story and did that with it. And uh, gosh, though, man, I don't even know what to do. But got this pattern in the Bible, though, of of God getting broken people and doing something amazing with them. And then they sin and fall away. And in Genesis 12, we see the uh, the covenant that God makes with Abraham. And it starts in Genesis 12, 1, And this guy's name was Abram. And later on, it becomes Abraham. And it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, hold on, keep that one up for me. All the people on the earth. Abraham is not a perfect guy. He makes a lot of mistakes. But all the people on the earth will be blessed through Abraham eventually. So there's eventually a descendant of Abraham Born fully woman, born of a woman, fully man, right? But also born fully divine of the Holy Spirit and fully God. Does anyone know who that descendant of Abraham will one day be who will bless the entire world? Jesus. There's only one answer in church, guys. Jesus. When in doubt, just say Jesus. And it's like a 40% chance you're going to be right. Jesus. Through Abraham, God is going to bring Jesus into the world fully God and fully man. God is working. Now, it's messy still. You go back and read these stories, man, there is so much mess going on in this. And humans continually break the covenant. It, when you got married, you stood in front of your spouse and you entered into a covenant. This is the weird part for me. God knows they're going to break the covenant. So this is the equivalent of you standing at the altar with your spouse and, you know, the pastor says, for rich or for poor, and you say yes, and your spouse says no. For better or for worse, yes. No. I mean, it's like, what? God knows the covenant is going to be broken, yet he continually invites people into it. Why? Because he loves us. Not only does he invite people, he's gone from Adam and Eve, and then he made a covenant with Noah, and then he made a covenant with Abraham. Now from Abraham comes a nation of people, a group of people, and this nation is called Israel. So God has made covenants with people who have broken it, so now God's going to invite more people in which is a horrible business model, but it's what God is doing. And so in Exodus 20, God is about to make a covenant with the nation of Israel. Exodus 20, and it says, And God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, now after God makes this statement, He delivers ten things to the nation of Israel. Do you all know what those ten things are called that He delivers to the nation of Israel? One of y'all was like, Jesus? no. Not Jesus this time, guys, but that's safe. That's a good guess. Not the 10 Jesuses, the ten, the 10 commandments. Good job. The 10 commandments. He delivers 10 commandments, but before he ever gives them the terms, he's already said, I'm your God, and I'm going to bring you out of slavery. He brought them out of slavery before he gave them conditions of bringing them out of slavery. How good is that? How gracious and loving is our God that before they have done anything for him, he has already removed the stain of slavery from his people. Why? Because he loves them. It's amazing. Over and over and over, this is what we see. God bringing about his plan through people. The final covenant in the Old Testament is one with David. David and so it's gone it's gone you know Noah and Abraham and Israel and then Israel eventually has a king at first they don't need a king and eventually they have a king and David becomes the king of Israel and so God in 2 Samuel 7 gives David a covenant it says the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors so when you die I will raise up from your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So, David, from your flesh and blood, from your lineage, I will raise up one, and I will establish his throne forever. Any guess who they're talking about right here? Yes. Jesus. Jesus, the whole story, the whole story is pointing to one through mess through chaos. And David wasn't a perfect guy. Y'all remember what he did wrong? He spied on a naked lady while she was taking a shower. That's creepy. That's what David did, right? And so, I mean, it's, it's amazing. God refuses to give up on people. God refuses to give up on us. And we keep acting like people and doing dumb things That should mess up everything, but it's never messed up because God has always had a plan that he's working together through thousands of years to restore what we broke. He's using us through thousands of years, weaving together something that no one could possibly do. You could not script this story. Yet God is bringing broken people together. Even in the midst of their great mess, he's bringing them together for the purpose of bringing Jesus the Christ into the world. And we'll talk about this not this week, but in the few weeks to come. There's a covenant coming, and it's better. That's what the Bible says. There's, a, there's another covenant, and it's new, and it's better. But for today, what's this mean to your life? You're like, okay, great. We just talked about covenants for 30 minutes. What's that got to do with me? And I think that's a fair question to ask. For me, here's what it means. Number one is I need to understand that God wants to partner with me for the, for the purpose of restoring the world. And God wants to partner with you. With every single person in this room, God wants to partner with you in some way for the purpose of restoring creation as it was intended to be. But the second thing is this. Have there ever been moments in your life when your life looked really messy? Raise your hand if you've ever caused a mess in your life. Raise your, keep your hand up if you've ever had a mess in your life that you didn't want anyone to know about. What was it? Tell me. Let's all on the count of three, say it. Let us get it out. No, that's a terrible idea. Let's not do that today. (laughs) Jesus. So what's what's the point? The point is that even through the messiest times in my life, and in my life there have been a bunch of them, if I surrender those things to God, he will use those things for the restoration of the world. And I might not see it, and I might not know it, but God is working in spite of me. And I get a choice in life. Like God's will is going to come to pass. And I can take the mess and the junk in my life and I can give it to God and then God will use those things to bring his will into the world or I can hold on to my stuff and I can turn my back on God and God will simply go over me to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. But God is going to get his glory through me or around me. And I get to decide. And it's a beautiful, messy process. Y'all ever whine uh, the Bible talks a lot about wine. The way wine is made is, is through stamping grapes. Like they stomp on them, and there's people's feet involved, which is super gross, and they're just they're jumping up and down them, and it's messy, and grapes are going everywhere, and it's this big, nasty bat of foot-involved beverage. That who in the world would want to drink that? Yet on the other end of this is something incredibly beautiful: is new wine. And sometimes the messiest situations and the messiest spaces and the ones that seem the most disgusting are the things that God is going to use to change the world if you trust Him. And so I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe there is a massive mess in your life. Let me tell you, God is working. Maybe you've been praying and praying and praying and you haven't seen it yet. You may never see it in your lifetime, but when you stand there with Him, He's going to go watch this. And He's going to show you the new wine He's making out of our messed up lives he's doing something beautiful even when you don't see it. God's will will come to pass through you, around you, in spite of you, but God desires to partner with you to change the world, and it may look messy now, but I promise you this, greater things are coming.